welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This is the second week of Advent, and in worship, Pastor David takes a look at the stories of our families as we continue the series, The Stories of Christmas. Let's listen. What are the family stories that you tell whenever your family gathers together? You know, the stories that just come up year after year after year during the holidays when all your family's in the same place. Maybe you're sitting around a, a dining room table or you're sitting in the living room and, and someone says, hey, you remember that time? And they share one of the family stories. Or they say, that reminds me of when? And they share one of those stories. We all have family stories that come up around the holidays. And, and these stories tend to bring us together because they're shared memories with one another. Well, I'm pretty sure I created a new family story this week. Here's what happened. We were putting up our Christmas tree, and all my kids were involved, and this is one of my favorite times of kind of the Christmas season, where we're stringing the lights, we're putting up the different ornaments, and, and talking about the special ones, like, oh, look, Zoe, this, this is one you made in first grade. Or, oh, look at this one. This is a baby's first Christmas. And at the end, the tree just looks spectacular. You know, it's right there in the middle of our living room, and it finally, the house just looks like Christmas. Or at least it did until later that night. And then this happened. I, I took a picture so I can show you. <laughs> that face is a face of surprise right there. I, in all of my years of putting up a Christmas tree, have never had a Christmas tree fall over before. I still cannot tell you why that Christmas tree fell over. But what I can tell you is that I have a new family story. I can wager that next year, one of my kids, when we're putting up the tree, is going to say, hey, remember last year? Remember that time when the Christmas tree fell over? I'll say, yes, I remember. We have a new story, and you all have family stories as well. Well, guess what? We are called a church family. We are called the family of God, and we have our own family stories as well. These are the stories that we tell every Advent, year after year. The stories of Jesus' birth, the stories of the coming Messiah, these are our family stories, and they don't become boring or stale, even though we continue to tell them, because these stories are the most important stories that we can discuss and share this Advent season. These stories define who we are as people and how Jesus' presence has changed this world. So I'm going to share with you one of these family stories this morning. It's a story of transformation. Yes, a story of, of our world. A world that can look so bleak at times, but the profound impact that Jesus has on this world. So gather around, family of God, and let's listen to this story together. Isaiah tells it. Isaiah begins the story by saying, the people of God will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Okay, could there be a more bleak beginning to a story? 
I mean, my goodness. I want you to think for a second of different opening lines from stories that you've read or you've heard before. In fact, let's make this a game. Okay, I'm going to read for you a couple of opening lines from stories that are much more uplifting than Isaiah's opening line. And if you know what famous story it came from, just shout it out, okay? And you'll be given a million points. All right, here's the first one. All children, except one, grow up. That is the opening line to the story of Peter Pan. A million points. Good job, Peter Pan. How about this one? Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Harry Potter, million points. Good job. All right, how about this? When he was nearly 13, my brother Jem got his arm badly broken at the elbow. To kill a mockingbird. Yes, you're in the lead right now. Way to go. Good job, Stacy. Here's your last one. It's a classic, okay? Category's classic. He was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the Gulf Stream, and he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish. The Old Man in the Sea. Good job, Rick, by Ernest Hemingway. Absolutely. So we all recognize kind of famous opening lines to stories. Isaiah begins telling his story, but it's a really depressing start. It's a story about our world, and the world's filled with darkness and distress. But wait, doesn't every story involve conflict? I mean, you would never read a story from start to finish where there was no conflict, because one, it would be boring, but two, it wouldn't speak to the truth of your reality, the, the, the life that you live, which has conflict in it. And the biblical story, Isaiah's story, also has conflict. And this story is not so much conflict between individuals, but it's more conflict that encompasses the entire world. So it describes someone looking out at our world, and this person notices three things— distress, darkness, and fearful gloom. Not just gloom, fearful gloom. So what is going on here? Well, historically, during Isaiah's time of writing, God's people were living in a war-torn country. So there was constant violence and fear for one's safety. It was a place of distress and darkness Some might even say fearful gloom. But poetically, this speaks to our current reality as well. You might might think, oh, that seems a little bit severe. But while I was writing this sermon this week, I read about the school shooting in Michigan. And I thought, yeah, this describes our world too. Our our world can be a place of, of distress at times. Our world can be a place of darkness. I'm sure you can think of your own examples as well. But thankfully, this is only the beginning of the story. This is the opening conflict in the story. Let's see where the story goes next. Isaiah says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. 
The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. So what Isaiah says is, yes, the world is dark. Yes, there's some distress here, but darkness and pain are temporary realities. Violence and and fear for one's safety are temporary realities. These two places he named Zebulun and Naphtali, who were oppressors at this time of the people of God, they eventually will be humbled. And a different city will play an important part in the role of redemption of our world, the city of Galilee. Well, think about where you named before. Maybe who came from the city of Galilee? Perhaps Jesus in the New Testament. So what Isaiah is saying is, yes, there's darkness, but the darkness is temporary. Now for the rest of the story, Isaiah switches into the present tense. It's interesting he does this because he's still speaking about this future reality, but he does so, he speaks of it as if he's seeing it unfold before his eyes. And I think he does that because he wants the reader or the listener to imagine as if they were seeing the redemption of our world unfold before us, okay? So picture this scene. How will the time of darkness end? Isaiah says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Okay, you need to use your imaginations here. So close your eyes for a second and imagine that you're in a pitch black room. And if you cannot see anything, then you have to feel your way around. And so imagine that you're trying to feel your way around and walking very slowly and all of a sudden you you feel the outline of a light switch and you flip it on and then open your eyes. You flip it on and the light breaks in, but the light's overwhelming. Maybe you're having to could it glare a little bit or block the light from you because it is so stark a contrast to the darkness that you were just in. These images of darkness and then light dawning, these are images that, that Isaiah is painting here of what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. Yes, a people living in the land of, of deep darkness are people who got so used to living in that land that they're able to walk in darkness. I mean, think about that. I cannot walk in darkness. If it's pitch black, I'm taking very slow steps. But these people have gotten so used to living in this land of darkness that they can walk in it. I mean, that's poetically like us too, right? Where we read about horrible things that happen around our world and we think, well, yeah, that's just the way the world is. We've gotten used to it. So Isaiah is using these images of light and darkness to to speak about our state of the world. We are the people who've learned to live in darkness, not physically, but spiritually. But to this, Isaiah says a light has dawned. Yes, a new type of future for our world is possible. I came across a a painting this week. It was shared, uh, by, shared with me 
by the pastor of Arson Church, um, and it's a painting titled For Those in Darkness, based off of this scripture. Um, let's go ahead and put up that painting and keep it up while I share with you what the, um, what the person who painted this said about the inspiration. So the artist's name was Laura, Lauren Wright Pittman, and she says, on the day before Christmas Eve, almost 10 years ago, my best friend died after a fiercely fought battle with cancer. Later that day, my friends came over for our annual gift exchange, and we couldn't leave one another. We couldn't seem to go to sleep either. We stayed up all night telling stories about our friend and decided we would drive to an overlook to watch the sunrise. I remember sitting there in the cold, wrapped in a blanket, huddled with my friends as the wind blew and splattered the tears that could not stop pouring out of my eyes. I desperately needed dawn to break because I was certainly sitting in what I felt like was the shadow of death. And as the sun hit my face that morning, I felt embraced by the light. Though everything was in shambles in that moment, I felt a sense of peace. Not a fleeting peace, but one that carried me in my grief and continues to carry me now. At the end of the night, the sun will come up. The darkness will be shattered by the dawn breaking. So Lauren describes what it feels like to be in a period of darkness, which I'm sure we can all identify with, and also what it feels like when then the dawn begins to break, which hopefully we can also identify with. We're going to now continue reading Isaiah's words about the way the light is going to illuminate the dark world. So Isaiah continues, and he says, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Okay, you might be saying, all right, that's a, that's a lot. What, what's going on here in this scripture? But, but basically, Isaiah is picturing a world of the dawn breaking and says this world is going to be a world of increased joy. And what brings that increased joy? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but in this passage, God was gathering up all the instruments of war, all the instruments of battle. So the boots that were worn marching into battle, God gathers those up. And the blood-spattered garments that were worn in battle, God's gathering those up. The rod that the oppressor uses to beat is being gathered up. The bar that places a heavy burden on the people's shoulders has been gathered up. God is gathering up all of these instruments of war. And did you notice what God did with them at the very end? God burned them. He gathered all of these weapons, these supplies that have been used for conflict, gathered them together, and then used them as fuel for the fire. Yes, 
God is gathering these instruments for war because in this future world where the dawn is breaking, there will be no war. There will be no violence. There will only be safety. So it's like God is saying that God is going to gather up every instrument that we use to divide ourselves. Every instrument we use to be in conflict with one another. God is gathering those things up and saying they are not needed in this new world that is being dawned. Okay, that sounds really good. You may be wondering how. How is God going to do all of that? It's through a child. The next verse says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. I notice the specific relationship the child has with the world. We're told that for us, for us as individuals and for us, the world, a child is born. So the birth of a child is for us. And it's for the benefit of the world. And not only that, but to us, a son is given. The Son is given to us like a gift for this world. Christians have historically seen this text as predicting the coming of Jesus. Jesus being this child, given to the world, given for us. And did you notice that Jesus has authority over this world? That's why Isaiah says that the government will rest on his shoulders. The word government in Hebrew is hamishra. And it means to rule or dominion. So Jesus is the ruler of this world. And all of those who choose in their hearts to follow Jesus choose to be followers of this rule. So this child, this gift to the world, is given a number of Isaiah concludes the story by saying, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Think about that for a second. This new world that's being created before our eyes. This world of darkness that's being illuminated by the breaking dawn is going to be ruled by Jesus. And the greatness and peace of Jesus' rule is eternal. It will have no end. That means that even us, those who are currently walking in a land of darkness, we can participate in the breaking dawn, in the government of peace, and in the rule of God. Now, every family has their own family stories that they tell when they gather together As a church family, this is our story. A story of a child that is born for us. The story of Jesus coming into the world to rule with peace and justice. The story of a new day dawning and the world of deep darkness finally being illuminated. Keep this story front and center in your hearts through this holiday season because some stories will stick with you for a lifetime. 
Yes, some stories have the power to change the world. And this is one of those stories. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.